Last uh, Sunday, we began our journey down the home stretch of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Uh, by the end of the year, we will have journeyed through the entire book of Romans. And last week, we were in the first eight verses or so of chapter 12. We spent some time uh, unpacking what Paul means when he uses that phrase, which he, he uses in Romans, but he uses elsewhere as well as what it means to be in Christ. And we talked a little bit about how when we are at our best as a church, as a community, we are using the gifts we have been given. And that has an impact on, on our church. That has an impact on, on us as individuals and within our church. Now, for the most part, the, the first part of, of chapter 12 has to do with, with, again, inside the church. What that means to be being in Christ, what that means for us. The second part of chapter 12 is, is, is mostly about how when we are in Christ, the community around us is transformed as well. That being in Christ isn't just for us, it is also for those outside the walls of our church, those outside uh, or beyond our, our community. So uh, in verse 9, we're, 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 our attention is pulled there as we read this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I mentioned uh, a few moments ago that I spent the last few days with my, my pastor's covenant group, and uh, it, it was the first time we were able to get together in a while. Uh, and, and again, it was good to kind of step out of the day-to-day -day of ministry and still be talking about ministry, but kind of from the 5,000-foot the view, if, if you will. And there was this afternoon where we were talking about all the different adjectives that are attached to churches. All, all the different uh, adjectives that we attach to churches that, that even go beyond the denomination, denominational affiliation. Just a, a quick aside, um, we are Westminster Presbyterian Church, and I dare you to find a Westminster church that is not Presbyterian. But, but Presbyterian is one of those, those you know, adjectives that is added to us. But, there, but there's other, others as well, small, medium, large. Red, blue, purple, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-site, traditional, modern, contemporary. 
I'm sure you all can think of plenty of other titles that we add to, to churches when we, we talk about who we are, when other churches talk about who they are. And they're not bad, so don't, don't hear me knocking any, any of them. But the conversation, it, it got me thinking about a, a question I asked last Sunday about what Paul might write to us or to the church today, to, to a church today. And I said that I imagine he would draw us back to what's most important, back to being in Christ, back to, to, to Jesus. And again, that's getting us back to that, that, that in Christ, what, what it means for us. My guess is he would ask something like, have you remained in Christ? Have you stayed rooted in Christ? If so, if you are, then, then everything else that, that's thrown your way, and there's a lot that's thrown your way in today's world, everything else should be secondary. Are you in Christ? Being in Christ, as we talked about last week, it transforms who we are together. And when we live together as a community in Christ, we also begin to transform the world around us. In 1932, November 1932, there was a very important vote that took place in the Protestant church in Germany. There were two dominant groups in the church, and they were electing new elders and, and new leaders for their church. One, one was the nationalistic Dutch, um, Dutch Christian movement. They were from kind of the old church, if you will. They, they were well known. They were established. And the other was a group of young reformers. And it was a bit surprising when the, the young reformers took two-thirds of the vote that was happening in Germany. Two months after the vote, the Nazis took over in July of 1933. Adolf Hitler went against the Constitution and demanded a new election in the church. And one of the young reformers who opposed Hitler was a, a 25-year-old named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Two days after Hitler was elected as a chancellor, Bonhoeffer went on a radio broadcast and talked about that election that had taken place. And uh, midway through explaining what had happened, the radio was shut off. So he didn't get to explain what happened. He stood against the Nazi ideology. He, 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 he encouraged the church to actually take a stand. And in 1943, he was arrested for helping uh, German Jews escape to Switzerland executed in 1945. Now, in my mind, uh, Bonhoeffer's writing is some of the most important, uh, not just from that era. I think it's incredibly important for, for, for us today, but really some of the most important writing to come out of the church in the 20th century. And, and I think a lot of what he wrote then is, is appropriate for us today. He insisted that the church wasn't supposed to be an escape from the rest of the world that it wasn't supposed to be an escape from the rest of the world. Instead, it was to be a community that was set to be a presence in the rest of the world. So in 1939, while teaching in an underground seminary, he, he wrote one of, the more well -known, one of his more well-known books, Life Together. And really this book gets at what it means to be in Christ what it means to be in, in, in Christ, that Christ should be at the center of all of who we are, of all of what we do. In the beginning of the first chapter, he writes this. The Christian cannot simply take for granted the privilege of living among other Christians. 
Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. So Christians, too, belong not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the midst of their enemies. There they find their mission, their work. There they find their purpose. When we talk about our life together as a church, our, our impact doesn't stop at the doors of our church. It, it doesn't stop when, when Sunday morning finishes, when our, our weekly programs finish. Uh, in other words, we don't just exist for ourselves. The purpose of our church is not to just exist for ourselves. So at the start of Romans 12, when Paul writes about our life together, he talks about the gifts that, that we use within the church. And then he, he encourages the church in Rome to, uh, what, we, what we just read, to take three actions that will transform the rest of their city. So it starts with, here's what you do in the church. And then it moves to what we just read with, here's what you do to be the church out in the community, in your city. And it starts, it starts with, with showing love. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a movie that came out called Yes Day. Any of you see Yes Day? Any of you? A Jennifer Garner movie. It's an incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, go go and see it. Uh, we watched it with our family, and uh, it, it's a it's a movie about a deal set up between uh, a set of parents and and their kids, and the parents have to say yes to everything that the kids ask, which definitely goes well. So we watched that together with our kids and they said, mom, dad, we need to do this. We need to have a yes day. And wheels started turning and I said, no deal. We can, we can, we can plan a, a yes day. And we set up a bunch of things that they had to do to, to earn their yes day. And the three of them worked together and to our surprise earned their yes day with a bit of hesitation. Um, we, we planned the Rody family kids in charge day. And it was an absolute blast. It was an absolute blast. We thought that they would choose these, these big grandiose things that they, they would choose these, these things that we couldn't deliver on. So, I mean, we, we set some boundaries. Like we, we set a, a budget. They could only spend this much. We, we, we would only travel this far. And we thought they'd think of these big grandiose things. Here, here's a list of some of what they wanted to do. They wanted to play doctor with dad where I was the patient. That's what they wanted to do. Yeah, we, 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 can, we can do that. They wanted to have crepes for breakfast. Yeah, we can make crepes together. We, we, we can do that. They wanted to play wiffle ball, wiffle ball in the backyard. They wanted to go to the pool. When we finished the day, my, my wife Haley and I, we weren't exhausted. We were like, man, this is great. This, this is wonderful. We, we actually need to do that again. There, there's something that is refreshing about dropping everything and saying yes to your kids. To say yes to showing them love. To say yes to them. So when Paul asks the church in Rome to take action, to show love, he, he's, he's asking them to say yes He's asking them to say yes. These first four verses, they, they're, they're a rallying point around how to say yes to loving your community, how to, to be showing love. And as he pushes them outside, he gives five words that define love in action for followers of Jesus. Sincerity, devotion, joy, patience, faithfulness. 
First, he writes that love must be sincere. Translates as uh, sincerity translates without hypocrisy. Love must be without hypocrisy. Or, Or as the New Living Translation puts it, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. If, if we want to transform our, our neighborhoods, if we want to transform our community, it starts with sincerely loving people, really loving them. It's not just about putting on a face or acting a certain way because we're supposed to. Do we really love our neighbors? He continues, be devoted to one another, that, that idea of devotion. Now, this carries a a similar connotation to what we talked about last week when we said that those who are in Christ, they they belong to one another. They they belong to one another. So this idea of devotion is that, that we belong to one another. In Roman society, the sort of devotion that Paul is referring to here, it was referred simply to families. And he's saying, do you as the church, are you as devoted to one another as a tight knit family? Are you devoted to your community as a tight-knit family? And here he's saying this, this is how our, our connection to one another, it should be deep. Within the fellowship of the church, you know, there's bound to be difficulties, bound to be disagreements the same as in a family. Someone's going to offend someone at one point or another. Someone's going to be misunderstood at one point or another. Are we devoted to one another? And the way that we're devoted to one another, the, the rest of the world kind of looks at it and says, wow, those, those other titles that I started with, you know, red, blue, small, large, uh, contemporary music, traditional music, the, the, rest of, the rest of the world looks at those titles, they see those titles, and they say, wow, look, they can actually do a blended worship service where, where the choir's not throwing stuff at the worship team. That'd be pretty funny if it actually happened, though. It would be pretty, pretty, pretty funny. Um, you know, where, where we have people who vote red and we have people who vote blue. And you know what? They actually talk about it without getting in fights. It's okay to talk about those things. Are we devoted to one another? The way that we act within our, our own community, it speaks volumes outside our church. At the end of verse 12, Paul writes, be be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That combination, hope, patience, prayer, it comes up over and over again in in this letter. And uh, at the beginning of the year, when we started the series, when we were way back in in Romans chapter 5, we spent time um, talking through one of Paul's most quoted uh, verses from Romans, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character produces hope, and a hope that does not disappoint. Paul, Peter, James, they all wrote about the trials that the followers of Christ were going to face. Jesus said, expect them. And here, Paul writes that we can find joy and and patience in them by remaining faithful in prayer. Sometimes our high school kids give Jr. a hard time because uh, they, they ask him, well, I've got this, this deal. What, what should I do? This is going on in my life. What should I do? And Jr. has a token response. Everybody in the high school ministry knows it. What is it, Brady? Did you pray? His first response. Did you pray? 
I, I love that about JR. Did you pray? We need to be asking ourselves as we're going through things, did we pray about it? So sincerity, devotion, joy, patience, faithfulness. This, this type of love isn't something that we just read about in a study. It's something we do. Something we act upon. Paul continues, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Share with the Lord's people. Practice hospitality. He, he even includes a list of how that looks. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who are celebrating. Mourn with those who are, are, are mourning. Live in harmony. Show humility. So in, in six or, or seven weeks, uh, we'll be launching into our, our stewardship season here at WPC um, as we do every year around October, November. And um, we'll be talking this year about how we journey together. And I'll say something similar to what I'm about to say. Or maybe Greg Sprague will come up here and say something similar to what I'm about, about to say. The difference between good stewardship and poor stewardship is, is determined by whether or not we see our resources as our own to fulfill our own needs and wants, or whether we see them as gifts that we have been entrusted to use for God's glory. You know, good, good stewardship is using what we have for God's glory. It's asking ourselves questions along these lines. Is the time I have on this earth all about me and what I want to do, or is it about God? Am I free to use my money the way I want, or is my money a tool to point people toward Christ? Are we willing to, to share and open our homes, our, our church, to celebrate with people, to cry with them? Those are all stewardship questions. All stewardship questions. And stewardship and, and hospitality, they, they go hand in hand with one another. How do we use what we have to welcome other people into our community that is in Christ? So our, our first reading this morning from, from Genesis, it, it paints this picture of, of Abraham sitting outside his tent, and he sees three, three people walking, three men walking toward him, and he, he runs out to them. He doesn't wait for them to get there. You notice that? He, he, he runs out to them. He, he sees these strangers and he goes out to them. And he says, let me, let me get some water to, to clean you up. Let me, let me get you some food, but not just, just any food. Actually, as I was reading that passage earlier, something stood out to me. He, he goes in and bakes fresh bread, like fresh bread. Goes and gets the choice calf. But curds, I had, I had never realized that he brings curds out to them. That's exciting to me. I don't know. That's a weird, weird aside. He brings all this great food out for them. He shows them hospitality. What does that look like for us? What does that look like for us? How do we show hospitality in our, our neighborhood to our, to our neighbors, how do we show hospitality here at WPC? We're, we're planted right in the middle of a neighborhood. How do we show hospitality to our neighbors? The third action that Paul invites us to take, it's, it's actually more of an inaction. He, he, he reminds them and reminds us to resist revenge. Easier said than done. Whether it's in the freeway, on the freeway, in the grocery store, Always at school, 
or something more significant. We have all been wronged in one way or another. We all have. And often our response to that is, oh, let's, I need to get even. I need to speed up. I need to fight. I need to yell. I need to defend. And Paul writes things like, don't, don't repay anyone evil for evil. <laughs> Live at peace with everyone. Everyone. Again, easier said than done. Paul's not denying that evil exists or, or saying that evil doesn't matter or saying that we are always in the right or always in the wrong, but he's saying that when we seek revenge, we, we keep a cycle going that keeps us and keeps others from experiencing the life together in Christ that we are called to experience. Paul tells us that God is, is going to work out the whole wrath thing anyway. It's not our job. It's not our job. So I'm sure most of you can think of a person or two who have wronged you. And at the very least, someone who has annoyed you. What does it look like to resist revenge with that person? So these, these three actions, showing love, showing hospitality, really extending, or showing stewardship, really extending hospitality, and, and resisting revenge, they're, they're essential for our life together as, as a church. If we can commit to being a community that, that kind of shapes ourselves around these three things, it doesn't just change us, it doesn't just impact us, it, it transforms the world around us. Our neighbors will look at what we're doing and say, wow, Westminster, they, they sure love well. Wow. Look at, look at how they show hospitality. How they open their doors. How they use what they have for good. And look at how they respond to all the, the issues in today's world that, that could divide us. How do they do it? My hope is that we'll, we'll never grow tired of pursuing these three actions. And that we would never grow tired of, of trying to be a, a church that is in Christ together. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to find ways to, to show love, to extend hospitality. And along the way, as we, we run into folks with whom we might disagree or with whom may, maybe folks who have even wronged, wronged us. Help us to resist the temptation of getting back or getting even. Lord, may we first and foremost be a community that is defined by and in you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.